coming up on Reframed. Along with this week's special guest, Luke Christian. Today we'll be discussing Career as Folk, which I'm so excited to do. Sleigh bells ring, are you listening? Now that. The episode that we're probably going to talk a lot about, which is aptly titled, Fuck Disabled People. You're quite sceptical about something. Love the sex positivity, all about that. Yes. Welcome back to Reframed, the podcast that reframes how disability is portrayed in film and TV. I'm your host, Jason Climo, and today I have the lovely as ever Stephanie Dow with me as my co-host, along with this week's special guest, Luke Christian. Today we'll be discussing Career as Folk, which I'm so excited to do. But before we do, let's say hey to Luke and learn a little bit more about them. So welcome to the podcast, Luke. Did you want to start off by just letting us all know a bit about you and what you do? Hi everyone, so my name is Luke Christian, I'm deaf, I was born deaf and the deaf gene in the family goes back at least six or seven generations, so it's me, my mum, my sister, grandma, uncle, cousin, so it's a really strong gene within my family history on my mum's side Um, and for me growing up I didn't really know which sort of world I fit into, whether that was the deaf world or the hearing world and people would always tell me how I should be, how I should act, you know, as a deaf person. So about three years ago, I set up my own deaf fashion brand called Deaf Identity. And it was just a brand that I wanted to sort of like break down barriers and smash the old stigmas and just sort of make deafness fun, modern and relevant in today's society and just sort of raise deaf awareness in like a cool sort of way. So that's what I do. So business has been running now for three years. Just moved into my own office. So it's growing steady and it's been great so far. Amazing. So cool. I know Jason and I were maybe doing a bit of a scroll through your shop recently and just loving the, the shirts. and Like, so good. Love it. Can't, oh, thanks. Christmas, Christmas list sorted. <laughs> there were so many funny puns. Love them. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I tried to come up with, you know, funny sort of death-related phrases, and there was um, one that was like a bit tongue-in-cheek, and it was basically for a Valentine's launch, and it was the only thing that's turned on are my hearing aids, and that was just like smash hit, and everyone just loves that one. So, yeah, no, it's been really great. I think there was one about like it's a quote from a song, and it's like the sleigh bells are ringing or something, and you're like, are they? I oh, can't hear yeah, them. I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, sleigh bells ring, are you listening? Now I'm deaf. <laughs> <laughs> just like deadpan, just straight. Yeah, no, that's been a really good one for Christmas as well. Do you come up yeah. with all of those yourself? Yeah. So what I it's weird because sometimes I could just be like sat eating a bag of crisps, just watching TV, and then all of a sudden a phrase just pops into my head. And then I just get it out. So and you're like, yeah, I have to put that on a jumper. From everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, obviously, you know, that's a, I think that for me is what advocacy can do is, you know, in that fun I think people relate to it and connect to it um in a in a much better, you know, more emotional way. So I love that. Um, I try and implement that into my own work where I can. Um, but speaking yeah. of sort of, you know, how we how we tell our own stories and I guess like take charge of those narratives. Um, 
why do you think it's so important that we do see that authentic representation in things like film and TV? I think it's really important because when I was growing up, and, you know, I don't want to, like, offend anyone, but when I was growing up, people in society used to think that being deaf was sort of related for people that were slightly mature, slightly old, and it's something that you just naturally get as you get older. And something that I was really conscious of when I launched the business was to make it so that it appealed to all different ages. Like I was born deaf and so many other deaf young people, they were born deaf as well. So I think it's really important in the media to see people like yourself and then you can relate to them and then it feels like you're included and that you're just not the only one on planet Earth, you know, just doing your own thing, like there are other people out there. And what I love about social media, and I know that some people find it negative and it can be quite a dark space for some people, but for me, it's allowed me to connect with so many different deaf people all around the world. So, yeah, no, it's been great, but I think that definitely more needs to be done in terms of deaf characters on TV. And I'm gay, and I think it's important that, you know, film and directors or whatever push more of a narrative of different intersectionalities within the deaf world, because I think some people think that, are oh, they're deaf, and then that's it. But it's like, for me, I'm deaf and I'm gay. And then there's lots of other intersectionalities as well. So I think just keep it growing and keep expanding. Yeah, it's so important to see intersectionality and also those complex characters. Like we're not just disabled people or deaf people. Like we are interested in things. We have issues. Mm. We're sometimes we're terrible people. Like there's so much more to us. It's almost like we're human beings. It's weird, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like we actually have lives. Like, how weird is that? You know what I mean? All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to review Queer as Folk now with you. Steph, did you just want to kick us off and give us the rundown on Queer as Folk? Um, yeah. So the show, uh, which is actually a reboot of a 90s British and US series with the same name. Uh, The show follows a group of club-going friends in New Orleans um, who are dealing with the aftermath of a shooting at a queer nightclub. So we're definitely throwing back to some real-world examples back there. The reason that we're actually talking about it today on Reframed is two of the ensemble cast are actually um, disabled characters played by, thankfully, disabled actors. Um, Julian, who has cerebral palsy, he's played by Ryan O'Connell, um, who you may know from the Netflix series Special. And then we've also got Marvin, who's an amputee and wheelchair user, and he's played by Eric Grasse, Grace, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, we'll find out. But, um, yeah, I have a lot of interesting thoughts about the show sort of as a whole, but also the representation. So, I'm keen to hear what you both think, but Jason, do you want to kick us off? Yes, and I'm interested to hear your interesting thoughts because I feel like you're quite sceptical about something. Like you've got something sneaky going on. I might play devil. Well, not necessarily sneaky, but (laughs) I, yeah, it's, it's an interesting show 
Uh, yeah, it's an interesting show to talk about, but we'll get to my thoughts. Let's hear your thoughts first. <laughs> well, first up, I think it's amazing that we have a disabled main character, a disabled recurring character, and then we also have Nal DeMarco, who appears in one episode as well. So we have three disabled characters throughout this season of the show. Um, we also have intersectionality, obviously, that each of those characters are queer um and disabled obviously but we also have a queer disabled person of color so i think that's also like a whole other you know a whole other thing that we can kind of celebrate and talk about um because you know as i like to say a lot of the time the representation that disabled people get is usually the like most palatable version of a disabled person being that it's like a straight white guy um or a straight white girl um and you know a lot of the time it's quite two-dimensional too like they're not complex interesting characters whereas in this they were like very complex uh I think the word messy was used in interviews which I thought was Mm. quite quite funny and quite true and I was like I can get a bit messy so can relate Mm. um so I think there's a lot to kind of celebrate also worth pointing out that Ryan O'Connell um was listed as an executive producer don't know like how much of a role that was um and he also wrote an episode or co-wrote an episode so yeah I've got a lot to celebrate (laughs) yeah there's a lot to he I'm as far as I'm aware from my research that I did um he wrote two of the episodes um himself I believe so one was um I think the episode that we're probably going to I'll talk a lot about which is aptly titled "Fuck Disabled People," uh, <laughs> and um, and I believe he also wrote just episode seven. So, yeah. Yeah, um, cool. so it's great to see that that was you know he's not just there to play a character and he's not there consulting as an actor, but he's actually a main right. I think he was actually brought on to write first, and then the showrunner was like, "I want you in the show as well." Yeah, so, right. That was interesting, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good to see, like, on both sides of the camera that there's that representation. For sure, yeah. Yeah. What did you think first up, Luke? Well, I thought, you know, um, episode four, so fuck disabled people. I thought it was interesting (laughs) because Ryan did an interview and he was sort of talking about, you know, sex scenes with Niall DeMarco, who's obviously deaf, and he uses ASL in the show that um, Niall had to sort of rely on lip reading and Ryan said that lip reading is only 33% accurate, which I think a lot of people sort of think, oh, he's deaf, or you can just read my lips and you'll be all right. But there's a lot of, you know, concentration that goes into it and it's not that straightforward. So I thought it was really good that Ryan was very aware of that and there was constant communication between Niall and Ryan when you know sort of filming the episode and just making sure that the communication was there and the understanding was there so I thought that that was really really good yeah so important like that the sets are as accessible as they possibly can be so yeah I think that's really awesome Steph I'm really interested to hear these skeptical thoughts yeah look I might I mean look there as you said there was a lot to celebrate about the show and representation. I mean, anytime we see any disabled 
um, or deaf characters in, you know, being full sexualized human beings. Um, I think that's that's a win because we do not see that regularly in mainstream media, um, which is a shame. Yes. But <laughs> um, so that was great. I did have a problem with the so the two um, sort of in this ensemble, so Julian and Marvin. Um, the the first instance that they kind of have sex on the show, both of both characters are having sex with sex workers, and the sex is being paid for, which to me missed a very big opportunity because it's driving home that people with disability, the only way we can have, that we will have sex will be, you know, we're not seen in that way. We have to pay that kind of attention. Yeah. I just found it so really interesting that it wasn't just one character and like that would have been one thing, but it was both, which really, really surprised me. So. Yeah. It's really interesting. Cause I think there's like a lot to unpack with yeah. like the sex worker representation in the show as well as a whole and that's like a whole other conversation but I get where you're coming from because the storyline with Julian is that his brother actually sort of like tricks him into having sex with a sex worker because so he pays which is Noel DeMarco's character pays which is kind of interesting because the sex worker is the deaf character so it's kind of like there's representation on both sides there which is interesting yeah, like again, tricked into yeah having someone else pay for sex for him. So that was interesting. And I actually kind of like the storyline because I like that they've like unpacked this whole idea that society thinks that disabled people just can't have sex, <laughs> and that the only way they're going to be able to have sex is yeah. to pay for it. Um, and there's nothing wrong with sex work, obviously, but. I do think that there's something hugely wrong with this idea that disabled people can't just have, you know, normal, healthy sex lives like non-disabled people can. And I will say, like, they, both characters do go on to have, you know, relationships with other people on the show. But um, I guess I've read a lot of, like, articles and and sort of reviews on the show as well, and um, across the board, a lot of people were saying that these two characters, their storylines, they could have gone further, but they were a little undercooked. Like after the initial kind of getting with these two characters that they do eventually sort of have relationships with, there's not, there's kind of like, it kind of goes a little flat. There's not a lot of, you know, obviously other characters are more prioritised in the series. And it's difficult with an ensemble cast. You can't prioritise everyone, but yeah, it's just, I don't know, it just missed a, a few marks for me. But, again, like, love the sex positivity, all about that. Yes. Um, but, yeah, it's it's difficult. And this is, to be fair, it's nice to be talking about sort of these complexities because, again, we don't usually have the chance to talk about these complexities because they don't usually exist. So it's nice to be able to talk about it this way and, you know, pick apart what is you know, pretty good representation, but, you know, just we always want more, right? We always want it to be just that little exactly. bit better. Yeah. Exactly. Better and more. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
Um, I think one thing I also wanted to point out is there's a part where Marvin says to Julian, how can his heart be accessible when the world around him isn't? Mm. I thought that was really interesting. And I I hope this isn't too personal of a question, Luke, because you can obviously just say skip it and we'll edit this out. But I don't know (laughs) if you have faced a lot of discrimination within like the queer community being a person who's deaf, because I know as a disabled person myself, I have. Um, and a lot of the time it's not super aggressive or blatant, um, but it's interesting to see that within marginalised communities like the queer community, there's still a lot of discrimination. I think um, I've definitely like sort of gone through the mill with the whole apps thing, you know, like Grindr, Tinder yeah. and all of that. Um, and some guys, you know, they've said to me, um, oh, in your photo, you wear a hearing aid. What's that about? And then I'll sort of explain and I'll say that I'm deaf. But what I used to do was I used to sort of um, overcompensate. So I'd say stuff like, oh, I'm deaf, but don't worry, I can still talk and I can still wear hearing aids or I can still hear what you're saying when I wear hearing aids. And it was almost like I was trying to reassure them mm. that, you know, I can still sort of like be normal and stuff like that. And then I just sort of had like a turning point and it just sort of switched and I don't explain my deafness to anyone because it's, I don't need to do that. I don't need to justify it. I am deaf and that's that. Um, And then on the flip side, I've just had some guys who, you know, I've been talking to them quite a bit and then they found out that I'm deaf and I've just been instantly blocked. And I think a lot of, I'm not saying all of them, but I think, the majority of the queer community, unfortunately, do think that if you're not a 10 out of 10, like, you know, you're a Ken doll, you're perfect, six pack, this, that and the other, any sort of like difference is just seen as no. And I think for them, they just rather block and just move on to the next one rather yeah. than look behind the disability and look behind the photos and things like that. So it has been difficult when it, you know, dating and hookups and all of that when yeah. my deafness come into play but then weirdly um I've also been like fetishized and stuff so I've had comments and they've sort of said <laughs> oh you know I want to have sex with you but um I want to take you here and eat that and stuff like that and it's just really weird and I just find it so inappropriate and I'm just like why why would you even ask that I don't even really know who you are and you sort of saying stuff like that, it just doesn't sit right with me. So then I've ended up blocking them. So it's definitely like swings and roundabouts. But I think as I've gotten older, because I'm a bit more like cutthroat and just I'm more stronger with my deaf identity and I don't explain myself to anyone now. If they want to get to know me, then that's that. Do you know what I mean? I don't need to explain yeah. being deaf. So, yeah. 100%, yeah. I mean, sadly, I mean, yeah, those issues are not exclusive to the queer community. I think every Mm. disabled person or person with some sort of difference, um, you know, sadly faces this kind of um, weird, you know, uh, interactions, reactions, all of that, um, you know, when we are sort of out in the dating world or, you know, trying to make that human connection with other people you know because we are capable of doing that and we want that so um, but again this is why it's so important 
to see more people with disabilities and, mm. uh, you know, some sort of difference in, you know, um, sexual, romantic, all kinds of relationships in um, film, TV, mainstream media, because until more people are exposed to the possibility of that um, and that, that there is a reality, um, sadly, these assumptions and misguided thoughts are going to continue permeating society, which is really frustrating and really such a shame because, yeah, we, I think, you know, we can bring a lot to a relationship. People just need to find out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I think it's funny as well because I think we said this earlier, it's almost as if society think that if you're disabled, then you're just in the house and you haven't got a life and you just sort of sit there doing nothing. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's really refreshing and really important that we do yeah. see in mainstream media disabled people actually having lives, you know, and just having fun because that's everything that we do. And it's like important to get that message out and not show that the old stigmas and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting with Marvin's character, which is kind of why I brought up that quote before. Mm. He was very strong and sassy to begin with. And then as the season sort of went on, there was a bit of like a breakdown in that that character in that they revealed a bit, bit of insecurity and it was all kind of around sex and the way that they were treated by, you know, the rest of the queer community. So I just thought that was like a really interesting way to show how ableism externally becomes yeah. internal and it affects us ourselves mm-hmm. and the way that we do view ourselves no matter how strong we actually put up a wall kind of around Absolutely. us it does like permeate through and it does affect you and it's only like you can't control that i think that's interesting because ryan o'connell um he's talked about like and special deals a lot with it, um, you know, that internalised ableism. Um, and he's talked a lot about how he has lived with that a lot. Um, mm. So I think it's interesting that that is, like, coming through quite clearly in the writing of it as well. So, um, yeah, no, we're not immune to, you know, all of that feedback that we have throughout our lives certainly weighs heavily on us and, you know, we start to, you know, that's obviously going to, come into our own thoughts about ourselves and self-worth and that. So yeah. that's why we need to break that down. Stop doing that. So I wanted to touch on the Fuck Disabled People episode again, just because, like, there were some really interesting things that I picked up in interviews with Ryan, um, and that is apparently in that episode, it's the it's the episode with the most sex scenes, which probably isn't, <laughs> that's surprising considering they have like a disabled disabled sex orgy I think they called it a crip rave yeah yeah I thought that was so cool <laughs> that there was like accessibility features explored they talk mentioned. about Ho- they, they talk about Hoyer lifts they're like we needed to move this out of the way for the Hoyer lifts to come in I'm like oh my god mm. like wow <laughs> I've actually thought about yeah. this yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just thought that was like really interesting and obviously something that I've never seen before yeah. in any other show, um, which just makes me even more sad that it got axed and that mm. it's not coming back. <laughs> well, I think that's enough really unpacking Queer as Folk. I really enjoyed chatting to both of you about it. And now it's time to give our score. 
on our completely made up scale called the Inclusive Disability Representation Scale, five being the absolute best disability representation you have ever seen, and zero or negative numbers if you want to be really harsh looking at you, Steph, uh, is the absolute worst disability representation. So we'll start with you, Steph. What was your score out of five? Uh, I, this is a really tough one. I feel like I say this with every score that I give. I preface it by saying this is really tough. Um, but this one especially because, like, again, I love seeing people with disabilities in this sex-positive light because like, we don't see that mm. usually. Um, so for that, I want to give it a high score. But, again, I had a lot of – I did have a lot of issues with the with the storylines, with the characters themselves. Um, I did find the show also as a whole a little bit preachy at times. Um, there was an there was a particular instance with a straw that I found a little bit preachy, but anyway, I'll leave you guys to watch the fuck disabled people episode. Um, long story short, I'm gonna give it a two and a half out of five. Ooh. So halfway in the middle. Mm-mm. Luke. I'm going to go down the middle. I'm going to give it a three just because I feel like with the storylines and stuff like that, like what Steph said, I feel like they could have pushed it and they could have gone a little bit further with it. So it wasn't bad, but it wasn't amazing. So halfway down the middle, three. I was a four. I don't know why, but I just bloody loved it. <laughs> That's it. I thought, I thought you were going to love it because I remember you said something a couple of weeks ago and you're like, I'm so excited to talk about this one because, like, I just loved it and I binged it. I'm like, okay, interesting. So, <laughs> and so you just naturally had to pick it to pieces. <laughs> I need to ruin it for you, of course. <laughs> literally, literally. No, I'm just sad that it got axed because yeah. I also yeah. think that with, you know, Ryan as an executive producer and a writer, yeah. they would have had more space to really unpack a lot more and go further. Um, yeah. And I think that's a big shame. It's Sorry. a shame they don't have the opportunity to expand on what they started because it was obviously that there were a lot of beginnings to these characters that could have been expanded on. But yeah, sadly, we won't get the chance. Yes. And then until they make another reboot. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much to both of you for joining me this week. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on, Luke. So, so happy that you uh, made some time for us. And anybody who's looking for the best christmas shirts or jumpers ever head over to uh luke's website we'll we'll have to put the link when we share this on social media that's what we'll do yeah because they're iconic honestly all those puns i love it uh thank you as well to everyone who is watching along or listening along we want to hear what you thought about the queer as folk reboot um, you can let us know your thoughts, your IDR scores um, on social media. If you search podcast reframed or reframed podcast, we're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can also email us at hello at reframedpodcast.com. And just before we finish, I just want to say a huge thank you to the Community Broadcasting Foundation for helping to fund this series. Thank you again, Steph and Luke. Bye.
This has been a production of Attitude Foundation.